0: Welcome to Hitachi Solutions Podcast. Join us as we talk with our skilled professionals and experts exploring how customers like you are delivering business outcomes, tackling business challenges, and accelerating their business initiatives, leveraging Microsoft applications and technologies.
1: Some of the 100 million people already using Generative AI work for you. Those are the wise words of Ted Shadler, VP and Principal Analyst at Forrester and a source of one of the articles that we used to really prep this this conversation today. What was interesting about this one is the focus on on the history of, of how we got to this point with generative AI, responsible AI, etc., where if we think back to the early 2000s, We went through this whole um, fear of bring your own device. Employees started bringing their own devices to work to solve problems because what they were finding in the workplace was they didn't have the tools that they needed to be as efficient or effective as they wanted to be. And then it goes on to mention how there was a period of time where employers just gave up and they knew they had to work with this challenge and come up with a solution. And so they adopted these BYOD principles that made it safe and secure to bring your devices to the workplace and, and get on uh, their network and so forth. And now what what Ted is talking about is this concept of bring your own AI, which is a pretty scary thought. Um, the ability to uh, bring in you know your paid or unpaid chat GPT subscription or leveraging the unprotected version of, of Bing um, chat and when you think about that and some of the implications around employees that are leveraging your company data your private company data uh, there's a lot that needs to go into the the thought around securing that that data As we get into this, I'm excited to bring on Luke and Brandon, who have been regulars on Exchanges here. And of course, as always, I'm Dave Horstein, uh, one of the regular hosts here of Exchanges with Hitachi Solutions. I'd like to start with some quick intros. And as I mentioned, Luke and Brandon, you've been regulars, but if you don't mind, just a quick intro starting with uh, Luke. Hey, thanks, Dave. Uh, Luke McGrath, uh, CTO, Hitachi Solutions North
2: America, uh, and just general uh, AI nerd.
1: I like it and brandon
2: hello uh, brandon
0: wick i'm a solution principal with the security infrastructure and modern workplace practice here at hitachi solutions north america
1: glad All to right, be here Duvert. yes glad to have you brandon so let's start as we normally do with just defining this thing ai is everywhere and and there's even the running joke if you want something funded just put ai in the title of it And so let's, let's just level set with everyone for the purpose of this episode, when we talk artificial intelligence or AI, what do we mean by that? And maybe Luke, I'll, I'll toss that one over to you.
2: Yeah. So I think a couple of different areas, right. I think we're all familiar with what I'd call, you know, traditional AI or narrow AIs. These are things that we've been using for, for years now, right. Um, things like spell check is a good example of a narrow ai that that's been in, in place and i think the shift in the in the market has really been towards this idea of generative ai right and, and how we actually incorporate generative ai into our workflows but you know it doesn't you know it doesn't preclude us from from focusing on security for all of these ai models i think the challenge is, is that for you know for generative ai it's a little a little less well understood so when we talk about generative AI, what we're really focusing on are a class of technologies that allow us to generate content um, from these pre-trained models um, that are um, predicting basically either what pixel comes next or, or, or which word comes next in a sentence. And they're sort of classified into a couple of different areas. We have, I think the one that a lot of people are most familiar with is, is ChatGPT um, by OpenAI. The company that runs it. Um, and it's a chat like interface to their underlying GPT 3.5 and 4 models. Um, they also have Dolly 2, um, which is an image generation. Um, mechanism, you know, similar to mid-journey um, that allows organiz- or allows users to create images from from text prompts. Um, and then we're seeing emerging, you know, models for audio, uh, music synthesis, all being all, all coming in sort of that generative AI space. So it spans, you know, a whole bunch of different capabilities and a whole bunch of different technologies. Um, but, you know, the long and short of it is, is that it allows us to generate content from just prompting an AI saying, you know, hey, can you write me a, you know, 500-word essay
1: on why Dave Horstein is awesome, right? That's easy enough. You need AI to help you with that, Luke. <laughs> I, I don't, Dave, but people might. <laughs> so um, Luke and Brandon, as we as we narrow in, we are a Microsoft partner, and, and I know they, they've made significant investment and have this partnership with OpenAI. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so Microsoft
2: definitely at the at the forefront of investment with OpenAI and has really gone sort of all in on AI in general and infusing it into a whole bunch of their different products. Um, so we see, you know, um, it, you know, the extension of of Azure you know sort of having you know implementations or or hooking into the open ai apis to extend functionality in a in a safe and secure way is being really one of the one of the key differentiators in in the azure environment um allowing you know basically private implementations of some of the capabilities in the space very similar to the products that that you know, Hitachi Solutions has been using internally, but as well as extended to a number of our cl- our clients, which is a you know a sort of a privatized version of of ChatGPT, where you can sort of guarantee the 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 security and the safety of the documents or the the chats that you're actually leveraging inside of that. So that's one of the areas of focus for Microsoft. The other one is is really just embedding those generative ai capabilities into all of their all of their existing products and services right so it's kind of runs the, the 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 gamut and and the way that they've been you know sort of classifying that is is really as this this pilot moniker right so you know copilot is the 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 branding around Microsoft's generative AI capabilities that are going to be embedded inside of applications. So we think of Copilot for GitHub, which is one of the ones that's that's available right now. It's basically a view into one of the open AI models that allows you to generate code, right? And uh, incredibly useful, you know, adds a huge amount of value for developers. Um, but we're going to see similar capabilities being built out. Like we're going to have Copilot for Office. It's going to replace me, right, by doing all of my Excel sheets for me, right? Or all of my PowerPoints for me, right? So I mean those are the sorts of things that we can look to look to have over the next little while from from Copilot.
1: That makes sense. I I know a lot of the conversations we're having right now with organizations, especially at the leadership level, are around prioritizing use cases. And so we're trying to find ways that we can leverage generative AI uh, in other tools to automate or, or streamline processes, um, predict behaviors of customers, product uh, performance, etc. But what is is probably lacking a little bit there is the focus on security around these tools. So w- where are those discussions going uh, today? What What are we talking about with organizations around making sure that anything we do with AI for them is safe and secure?
0: So I'll I'll jump in there and to, to to address the first part of the kind of the discussion or the 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 topic that you started on there, use cases for Copilot that we've heard from customers that I think they're they're most interested in are about security, but not about securing the AI itself. It's more about how they can leverage the AI to enable their security teams, either their small security teams, their non-existent security teams, or whatever, who are getting inundated. By all these alerts and all these metrics and everything, they can theoretically, um, when Copilot for Security comes out, they can theoretically go to one portal and say, what are the top 10 risks I need to be concerned about today? And AI will determine that based on their environment, the metrics, you know, all of the, the alerts, all of the things that they have, which could greatly enhance their ability to detect and, and respond to these things. So um, that's that's probably the biggest, most exciting use case that we've heard from leaders and customers. But then on the flip side of it, um, and to reference something that um, Luke said earlier is like, okay, so we're going to use these AI, you know, models, we're going to use these different AI products. And we're told that, you know, as long as we use it in this cloud, or we, you know, it's been privatized, our data secure, the how it's learning is not being leaked out, we're not losing some of this, this, you know, information about our business out and other people aren't, you know, benefiting from it or learning off of it or have any way to compromise it. But we don't really have a ton of clarity yet, because a lot of these tools are kind of very new and still being, you know, vetted and and certified and stuff. We don't have a lot of clarity yet of how that's actually happening. So we know, you know, if we have this privatized version, it it should be in our tenant. It should be secure. It should be safe. But how? When when we go for other things like SOC compliance or whatever else, we can go to a place. We can go drill down very deep. We can get a document that says this is how we protect you. Some of that stuff may not exist yet, or is in process, or or whatever for for uh, um, all this AI capability. So the thing that we tell people is, well, you need to kind of weigh right now, what's the advantages of using this in your particular business and use cases, and what are the potential risks? And then you need to find you know, what, you're, what you're comfortable with
1: for right now. And really, Brandon, what we're, what we're kind of talking about in layman's terms is that um, some of that data, so let's say we do a lot of statements of work contracts. If I was to go to ChatGPT, uh, and I want to streamline how fast I can put one together. I might upload some sample contracts, but what I might not realize is doing so is exposing it to public domain. So I've now sure. just taken very confidential documentation and basically put it out there for the public to be able to consume or or leverage in their own uh, prompts with ChatGPT and and wherever else that data is going. Is that right? So the very real application or concern here is that people are using private company data in a very public way.
0: Yeah. And you're, you're hoping they're not doing that. Obviously they're, they're going to do it. People are going to use AI, whether, whether you allow them to or not, or whether you enable them to or not in your organization, um, which, which brings up lots of topics, you know, like you, the, the trust point becomes kind of your people as, as first point, then maybe Process and technology as a secondary. So, information protection, where they can access this stuff. If you if you confirm corporate devices, make sure that it's allocated just to your private instances and protect against those. But then you need to stop important information from getting out to personal devices or BYOD, so they can get into their own AI environment. Yeah, there's there's a lot of concerns and things that come up as as part of this. But people are going to use what they want to use, and and you have to try to work with them, educate them, and in some cases,
1: you know, protect your. Your important data so yeah i like uh we had conversation with um another forester analyst rowan curran and the way that rowan's been putting it is that you really have to empower guide and protect so help your your employees and yeah. yeah help them understand what what uh tools are available to them that can really help them be more effective and efficient, guide them on best practices and best ways that they can leverage them and then protect them, because there are going to be things that not all of us are privy to, and we're going to need that protection to make sure that we don't accidentally leak data um, that should otherwise be private. Yeah, 100%. Okay. What, What would we say then as we really drill into empowering employees what are, the, what are some of the things employees should, should be aware of around security implications? I think we talked a little bit about don't upload your contracts to ChatGPT, um, but what are some of the other guidelines that we'd wanna offer to our customers' employees? I mean, uh,
0: guidance that I would recommend for organizations is uh, one, uh, educate them you know, on what kind of data is, is important maybe to your organization, educate them on some of the potential you know, boundaries where you wouldn't want this information to get to w- wherever possible. If if possible, enable some kind of corporate privatized version of this that they can maybe leverage and get, because like like we've said over and over again, they're, they're gonna use it. So you kind of need to get on board with it. and And maybe in this scenario faster than ever before, like you mentioned the BYOD, kind of scenario companies are going to have to get on board with this much faster than they probably have with anything else and probably faster than they're comfortable with. But, um, you know, make them understand, you know, we, we have some sensitive type things, make sure the people who touch sensitive things, you know, are, are very aware and, and are knowledgeable about why this can be damaging to the, you know, the organization, their, you know, whatever it might be, their practice, their role, their job. And, um, Give them something that they they can utilize as quickly and as logically and reasonably as as possible to get you know same or similar functionality um, as well. I'm sure Luke you got a bunch of opinions on that as well
2: uh i think I think you nailed most of them. Brandon, to be honest, I, I think the one that stands out in my mind as being sort of critical and most important is just education, 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 right? And making sure that the user base has a clear and concise understanding of like, hey, how can I use these tools safely and effectively? And making sure that that it, it it's in alignment, at least with some of the corporate, you know, information protection policies that we have in place. I think, you know, this technology is evolving very very rapidly but i think one of the initial things that we've seen emerge from it is that you know it's not going to be a single a single environment or a single model that we end up interacting with it's going to be a network of models you know each for a different purpose and that just highlights the fact that you know we need to be cognizant of you know, how we're interacting with these pieces and making sure that we have an understanding about the information that we can pass on to these environments safely and securely. And in a way that's not going to compromise any of the, you know, potential, um, you know, privileged information that that we might want to get synthesis on, right? So that one of the newest use cases obviously is uploading documents to be able to chat and to interact with documents, right? Understanding, You know how those tools interact with those documents. Are they stored? Are they synthesized? Are they, you know, you know, retained in any way, shape, or form to retrain the models long term? Is 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 not something that I have a lot of clarity on um, as it stands right now. So, fair enough. Yeah, I think that's a great
0: point too. Like, and it sounds kind of archaic, but yes, up update your organizational information protection policies to have verbiage to include, you know, information about AI and how, you know, responsible use of AI for your organization. That was a fantastic point, Luke.
1: What about, so we've been focusing on data security um, and kind of protecting yourself from the inside out. I've been doing a lot of reading lately on outside in that AI could also be used as a tool um, to increase um, attack capabilities. Um, Have you all been diving in that space at all or having conversations with customers about what it means to provide defensive capabilities around ai i can i can jump in to provide a little bit of my perspective on it uh, it's
2: one of the things that keeps me up at night to be honest dave I, I, <laughs> like the the interesting thing that's happened is that with the advent of some of the generative ai technologies the the cost to attack and the cost to attack through some vectors has functionally been driven to, to zero, right? So when yeah. we think about the ability to, to do mass social engineering or, or to drive mass phishing schemes, right, through the use of generative AI t- technology, that's like, to be quite frank, that's terrifying. Um, but we know it's happening, right? We know that there are models that have been released recently that don't have the same sorts of safeguards that chat GPT does, right, that are being used by bad actors in order to implement in order to drive some of these scenarios. And I, I think that, you know, at, at some point in time, we're going to reach your equilibrium, where, you know, the cost to defend and the cost to attack sort of end up leveling out. But I think right now, the 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 cost to attack is being driven down, right? And the cost to defend has remained as high as it ever was, right? I think that we'll see an, an introduction of some some of the the AI tools um, that will help help mitigate some of those risks with the the broad vectors of attack that we're going to see. Um, I think one of the one of the challenges that we see coming out of that is obviously using using AI to defeat AI sort of creates a, a bit of an escalation arms race between attackers and defenders. And I'm not sure like societally where that's where that's gonna end. But um, you know, that's that's I think I think that's it's cause for concern across a couple of different yeah. things. I, I mean I, I imagine Brandon has has more specific or more more tangible examples there, but I I, I think I think the, that that my 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 view is is that sort of that that ten thousand foot level. Yeah, that I mean, I think that's exactly right. That uh, I love that you brought up the AI versus AI
0: because that's—I I know which side I'd rather be on. I'd rather be on the Microsoft AI side rather than whatever has been cobbled together or released on the internet is malicious out there. I mean, I know there's arguments for for that as well, but I, I'd rather be on the Microsoft side who's investing you know many billions of dollars into this kind of thing, and uh, you know. Is their AI, is it going to be better models or better protection? And then you're going to rely on their AI to make sure that AI is not you know, catching your people. But then there's, a, there's kind of another scary uh, topic that I wanted to bring up as well too, because I don't know that I've heard it talked about a bunch, but let's say somebody compromises your existing security around identities. Let's say they, and you have this large, secure, protected, private, model taught on everything that's important to your organization, and they get in just, just because, maybe because of an AI social engineering campaign, maybe because of a weak password thing, maybe because there's no multi-factor, whatever it is, they get in and now they say, okay, please tell me the com- all the company secrets and I'm going to take them out and and, and I'm gone. Like that, That's terrifying too, because now you're going to train this model. You want it to have all the information that it needs about your organization. One little slip up for one little identity to get into your organization and get access to that and... That could be disastrous, you know. So, um, yeah, it's it's very it's very scary, it's very scary when you think about all that stuff.
1: But you you raise a good point. And uh, as much as we try to to keep product out of these conversations, it's it, investing in cloud infrastructure, especially provided by an organization like Microsoft. You've got world class security in R and D that's really out there to protect you from these things. And they're going to continue to grow and invest in those areas so i think it just if anything it makes or reinforces the argument uh, of going cloud first and making sure you you've got the right uh, the right solutions in place from a security perspective to protect your company's assets so from our perspective what we're really pushing for is education and empowerment ensuring that your organization really is equipped with the tools and knowledge to be successful to leverage these tools successfully and safely and responsibly as we're having a lot of these conversations with leaders right now, as, as you can imagine, a lot of this is happening at the C-suite. It, there are quite a few concerns around intellectual property and, and company data. And as, as, as uh, interesting as our conversation got there around uh, you know the art of the possible with AI versus AI, the, these are real conversations we need to be having now uh, to make sure that we can uh, be prepared for them as, as a, an enterprise in the future. And so empower your people, uh, make sure they understand what what is in with and without bounds uh, for your company policy as Brandon mentioned um, update your guidance and policies internally so everyone's clear on on expectations and um, and safe safe usage of the tools and then really finding the right use cases as it relates to or is driven by both business value and security so as you're going about prioritizing AI use cases within your organization, look at what's gonna drive the most uh, optimization in the metrics or areas that are most important to you. And whether it's revenue generation, cost optimization, experience optimization or so forth, there's so many different applications for AI that we wanna figure out the right cost benefit uh, ratio for you and then lay, lay on top of that, the security implications that need to be considered before implementation. Ah, uh, thank you both, Luke and Brandon. This was incredibly helpful. I think for me, I one thing I didn't realize, Brandon, you you mentioned that AI can be leveraged as a way to help enhance um, your security team. So that there's there are already solutions out there that are that are um, almost to general availability that can help you identify and prioritize security risks so that your team can respond more effectively. Um, So that's incredibly encouraging news, especially given the conversation we had. Uh, The second takeaway, I just spoke about this a little bit, but it's really focusing on your people, empowering your employees, simplifying the conversation so that they understand what AI is, how it impacts their roles, how they can be effective, but how to use those tools safely. And and third is really trying to stay on top of all of the changes uh, at a macro level as it relates to AI, because we know companies that don't innovate and don't adopt these new technologies fall behind. But as we've been discussing, it's so important to keep that safety top of mind and understand what any of these solutions are going to do to your organization, what benefits they're going to bring, and what risks they're going to expose you to. Then you can make the right decision over which solutions really make sense for your organization. Again, thank you both for joining me today. Thank you to our listeners. If you liked what you heard, be sure to check us out at global.hitachi-solutions.com, and we'll talk to you in the next one. Thank you much. Thanks. We are Hitachi
0: Solutions, a global team of innovators who support our customers' data and business system modernization initiatives.